Hello everyone, welcome to Poetry Says once again. My name is Alice and today I get to share a chat with you that I had a little while ago at University of Melbourne with Eddie Patterson. The amazing thing about doing this podcast is I get to talk to the authors of poetry collections that I've admired for ages and Eddie's book Redactor has been just my favorite poetry book for so many years and as I say to him at the start of this chat it's one that I kind of wish that I had written but I didn't get around to it and it got written by someone else but it's it's fantastic I love it I can't recommend it highly enough it is a very particular kind of book and we get into how and why Eddie decided to make this book which is essentially a collection of found text that's been cut up and reconfigured and reworked into poems. Everything from texts with friends to bureaucratic language from school canteens. Everything's in there, everything's up for grabs. We talk about the intersection of the profound and the trashy and how those things come together and work in poetry. And yeah, it's just, it's such a pleasure to talk about that because that's something that I'm thinking about all the time. I truly believe any language has poetic potential. Uh, We talk also about the role of visual art in Eddie's work and we mention a bunch of artists who I will link to in the show notes and also about how relationships with real people in the real world play into the writing of poems. I really feel like Redactor is a very moving collection it's a very personal collection even though it's all found text Um, it's nowhere near as cold as that might suggest so that's enough out of me i'll let us get straight into it here is eddie patterson where to begin this is so great uh i'll just start with how I came into contact with your book, okay. Redactor. Sure. So I came along to the launch and I remember leaving it and probably sending a message to my partner being like, this guy's just written the book that I wanted to write. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was like simultaneously so mad and so happy that it existed and then spending time reading it I was like oh I I wouldn't have done it like this anyway and it's so much better than what I had in mind and I guess I would love to just start with hearing a bit about um, how the idea for the book formulated and why you chose to do it the way that you did okay well you're far too generous you're far too generous and I can't think of any greater compliment than having someone say that you know it was a book that they wished they had done and they were annoyed I like it when a book you know makes you slightly enraged yeah enraged is nice yeah um the 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 process for redactor started when I was the end of my PhD and I uh, had a work ethic but no no direction for it Mm. so I'd finished and so I started applying for all these grants and one that I got was an emerging writers grant Oh, yeah. Australia Council when they were still supporting emerging writers yeah that doesn't you know? exist anymore no it does not mm. um, 
maybe it was me that ruined it for everyone else. Oh, you know, they you. saw the thing and then they just, you know, that was the end. <laughs> um, but I got a little bit of money to write a book and, uh, and I said, okay, it's going to be experimental poetry and it's going to be about, I forget what I wrote in the thing, but I think I said something about kind of everyday conversations and where it meets um, everyday communication on technology. Right. In technology. <coughs> so I'd been collecting for a long time, and I, and I am a little bit of a sort of collector of things, of, of words. I'm not very good at throwing things out, so I'm a bit of a kind of hoarder in the sense. And you're standing in my office where, of course, I have books, and I never throw any of the books out. They're just here. There are plenty um, of books, but I had to say it's not a, it's an not overwhelming number. It just looks like a normal number of books. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm <laughs> glad. Um, and because... You know, if I ever move out, these have to these have to go in a house somewhere or a garage or a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've always collected notes from people, so I really like handwritten notes, mm. and I really like lists. Yeah, me There's too. There's something about my mind that really I, I, I like the form. I've like always liked the form of a list poem or an index or um, a joke kind of memo or that yeah. sort of thing. So I'd, I'd written over the years. Um, over the years preceding the grant, uh, a number of sort of found homes that had come from memos and had come from shitty jobs that I was working, and then someone would send this terrible bureaucratic language, mm. and it was great. I mean, they were the most sort of poetic things I could ever think of doing. That Same. Really yeah. This is the thing, but see, I never collected them. I just kind of <laughs> let them go by. I was like, yeah, that's a poem. Yeah. Anyway. You need to hold on to your <laughs> obsessive instincts. Totally. Uh, Alice. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I was collecting all these things. I would keep them in emails, or I'd, I, 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 I actually liked the hard copy even more. That was the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one, once I got the grant, I, I thought, well, oh, I don't really know how to to put it together. Um, but it so happened that I was living away from the city. I was living in the country where I grew up, and uh, I was very alone in a sense. And what I was thinking about then was all of the friends that I was missing. Mm-hmm. And so in, in in some ways, while the formal sort of qualities of the book came out of ideas about how we communicate with one another or these notes that I'd be collecting on these found materials, um, the real sort of impetus was about how do I talk to my friends when my friends aren't here anymore? Yeah, and that's, I think, another quality of the book that appeals to me so much is uh, another book idea that I've had to haven't yet written and someone else is going to write it yeah, yeah. is like love poems to friends you know like right. poems of friendship uh, poems of like I feel really deeply affectionate towards my friends yeah. and uh, kind of more than is really appropriate and sometimes I think that poems are the only things that can hold that yeah. so yeah I think I really felt that in reading the book that these are I mean it's weird because it's found language you would think it would be cold and impersonal but it's mm. it's such a personal and revealing book in in many ways i feel yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose so i hope so yeah um there's a lot of me in it i mean it, for mm. for a book that's all cut up and kind of interspersed mm. it's there's a lot of um intimate exchanges mm-hmm. in some ways uh and that wasn't necessary i wasn't sort of setting out to write a book like that but um as i was thinking about it and missing my friends and lonely I guess um, I was trying to think about maybe their voices or 
um, or, or capturing some of the energy of our 20s. I mean, that in, yeah. in some ways also that's, that was kind of what it was about, about fun things that we did mm. um, and that we were not doing now. Mm. So it was a little bit of like a lament. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah. so I'm stuck in the country. Not stuck in the country. I chose to be in the country. I love the country. <laughs> uh, this little country town. And, uh, and I decided to um, go through every email that I'd written to my friends that I had in my inbox, mm. my kind of general Yahoo inbox. And I don't know how many there were. There were lots. But I sort of printed them out. That was the, how it started. Oh, I printed, they were printed out, out. all yeah. these emails mm-hmm. um, on, on this shitty little printer that I had in a garage. And, um, and it was a big stack of stuff that I ended up with. And then I started building the poems uh, from that material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really think it would be the book. I thought... I thought when I started that it was uh, just a simply a, a, a way of of, um, of getting through the loneliness and thinking about my friends. I suppose that was what I was doing initially. And then slowly it, it came together and they looked a bit more like poems when mm. I started intercutting them, intercutting yeah. the voices. Mm. Um, and so had all of these letters from friends and emails from friends and I started furiously sort of knitting them together yeah right um and i guess one of the the interests always for me with poetry has been the sort of visual aspect of it Mm. and how a kind of as artworks and as sort of um and i I come from a background which is maybe as geared towards text in artworks as in experimental poems yeah yeah yeah. so I, i guess i was thinking about jenny holtz or i was thinking about David Trigley, I was thinking about artists that use text in their works mm. in jokey and, 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 uh, and trashy ways. Mm. Uh, and as I started to knit these things together, they started to resemble these little text pieces. And I had a friend visit, um, and he, his name is Gavin, and he actually gave the idea of the, that the redactions were a good idea. I'd redacted yeah. one or two of the works, and I put... Um, either blank spaces or or sort of underscored lines through things yeah um and he came and i did i did one that was blacked out with texter and he's a very visual guy and he's really clever kind of um he's a filmmaker so he's, he came and he said i like that i like this black thing why don't you do more of that mm. and that's where the redaction started so it didn't start as a sort of political statement or a statement around um, censoring or anything like that it's purely yeah. started with this sort of visual thing it's like that was cool on a page mm. what can you do with that yeah right um, and so i had the aspects of the intercutting i had these voices of friends and then i had this idea of okay what happens when you redact something yeah uh, it gives it a different sort of look on the page but it also gives gives it a different kind of weight perhaps poetically maybe and and uh, I was also thinking then about uh, exhibiting the poems as artworks first. Yeah, so this yeah. idea of that would be an exhibition mm. um, because I couldn't imagine it as a book. Mm. I actually thought no one will publish this thing. I've written all these pieces, but they're just not poems and I don't know who would publish it. So I thought I'll just do it as an exhibition and I'll sell the works and uh, you know, I, can, uh, I can kind of do it like that mm. and that will be my outcome. Yeah. For this thing, um, so that's where it sort of started. That yeah. was the kind of the you know there's a bit of loneliness, there's a bit of love, there's a bit of kind of yeah, intimate yeah, voice, yeah. 
and then a nice kind of uh, strike through of yeah. this of this uh, blacking out. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a a political thing. It does feel like a visual choice. Versus, mm. really interesting to hear you say that. Why did it have to be experimental? You said at the start when you got the grant. Mm. You sort of said really quickly, all right, it's going to be experimental poetry. Like, where does that decision come from? Oh, yeah. Well, people have been asking me this a lot lately. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Why are you so experimental? Yeah, well, Jeez. yeah. It's not that, I, yeah, it's like, why, why be drawn to radical approaches to writing, mm-hmm. I suppose? Um, uh, because, you know, my background is relatively comfortable, rural, sort of middle class mm-hmm. background. But um, my interest has tended to be uh, non-mainstream forms of writing, mm-hmm. both in uh, terms of kind of performance and theatre, but also in terms of, of kind of text um, in whatever form, whether it's text for exhibitions or whether it's text for books. Um, and I'm not sure whether I have like a, a snazzy sort of theoretical response. There's probably is one. Uh, and I could probably give it at a push. No, I don't want But actually, I think it's something to do with how my brain organises information that I really love. We were talking about list poems before. Yeah. But I just really love patterns of things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Patterning of information, um, ways that, that um, language can kind of play off uh, itself to create different sorts of rhythms mm. and weird sort of meanings and puns and mm. sort of trashy. I'm, essentially, I'm really trashy and the book is really trashy too. Mm. should be trashy. Yeah. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I enjoy is when these trashy moments might seem profound or when for profound moments might seem really, really trashy. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, and kind yeah. of, you know fueled by alcohol or you know right in the gutter i think it should be like that i really yeah. like that stuff yeah so in essence something to do with with just what i enjoy um thinking about mm. and and the and the fun bit of writing the book is the knitting together of the texts yeah, right. when you've got three or four or five or six texts and sometimes there's as much as i think maybe one poem has maybe 12 different texts sort of knitted into it but not all of them have that many often it's only one or two or three mm. Mm. Um, but definitely I want voices contesting one another a little bit of confusion over use of pronouns and various things kind of bleeding into one another so yeah. I'm not quite sure necessarily where where you are in the poem or who's speaking um, yeah and I, and I like that stuff I like that it, it, it means I have to work a little bit to get into the work mm. into the poem and figure out what's going on um, but I also like it because I think it's how we we sort of communicate with one another. Um, I just write so many emails in my day. I'm standing at my desk, and you know the email count will just go up and up and up. Um, I didn't have a mobile phone for ages. For a long time, I was a very late adopter, and I don't I don't really use social media a great deal. But I really like it as mm. a as a thing to look at. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested in it from afar. I think if I were, I'm a bit obsessive, I think if I were to be on social media, I would be too attached to it, so mm. I keep myself removed a little bit. Um, but I'm really interested to, in what it's doing to language and what mm. it's doing to text and, and what it's doing to how we say I love you or how we say an intimate thing to our friend. Um, <laughs> and, you know, certainly if my family is anything else, anyone else's family, like the group text message sort of, uh, around my family that's where the love is that's where all the photos are totally. that's where all the stuff is happening yeah it's not happening by email it's not happening by these other means sometimes it's very immediate now yeah, so yeah. 
Um, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm super, I'm super uh, interested in how that works as a mm. poem. I'm wondering if it might be a good idea to pause and have you read either a poem from a doctor or yeah, sure. even if, because I know it isn't your, like it's a while back now. So if there's something yeah, else that you maybe. feel like is more you now that you'd like to read, just so yeah. we can get a sense of your work. Yeah, would yeah, yeah. Okay? no worries. All right. Cool. All right. All right. So this one's called uh, X-Men. Hi, dearest, in his milk suit. I am being quiet in the corner as is on the phone to his mother who doesn't know I'm here, but now talks about how I should maybe go to a school in New York about how I am social awkward and don't talk much to groups of fashionista people screaming in French. How I drink by myself at night about how he, he doesn't know how to excuse my vegetarianism to his roast pork mother. How there is only one life and I am wasting it. Now I think it is coming close to and I only just got Egyptian cotton delivered. It's sad in one way doing Botox with my body hair creeping forth. Something he has worry about but I can't come back even though you are there my friend. I am not French or Japanese and a burden to a 33-year-old French wife. Please tell me about the party. I thought Hugh Jackman was about 40, but he's actually 38. He also said that this was his last X-Men, but he gets to have his own Wolverine film. Perhaps I could co-star as his son. Plan to get buff after July and then either play rugby league or write a Wolverine script that requires a son, me. We'll then deliver him the script during yours and my attendance at the Boy From Oz Arena Spectacular later in the year. Assume you are still purchasing me the tickets for my birthday as promised. If you feel like watching State of Origin tonight, come over from around 9.30. We have low alcohol content ginger beer, uh, but maybe you have no interest or are playing basketball. Count me in for X-Men if that's still possible. I missed it at Khan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> alcohol content ginger beer yeah so when you're knitting together would that be mostly one voice or yeah from memory that's three voices three voices yeah so i imagine for somebody who's self-described obsessive and has these bowbird tendencies yeah when you do that knitting there has to be some cutting out oh yeah and that must be tough uh no no? Okay. You like the cutting as well? No, I like the cutting. I yeah, like yeah, the yeah. cutting. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're going to turn them into a poem, I suppose I was, always think, well, it has to be a bit different. Yeah. You can't just be, you can't just be putting um, always verbatim text in a poem, particularly in my case, if it's the voices of friends, I can't ethically put those things out there as is. I mean, mm. I think I, uh, and partly it's an artistic response where, you know, in a sense, I reserve the right to mix them up and cut them up and mm-hmm. turn them into something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's partly being a little bit respectful to my friends, though not too respectful, and uh, and to these other voices that are in the poems. Mm-hmm. And it's partly about wanting to shape them a little bit. So yes. even the ones that seem verbatim, there aren't many that are wholly verbatim. They, they do have things shuffled a little bit or... Mm-hmm. Uh, s- s- bits of text that have moved around mm. and, and the redactions are strategic yep. you know sometimes it's a, an uninteresting bit of the text that gets redacted it's uh-huh. not something revelation you know it's no some revelation um, sometimes it's that mm. uh, often it's people's names are redacted um, often it's people's genders that are redacted but um, sometimes it may be just a boring bit mm. 
Have you had anybody read the book, recognize a part of their own text that they wrote and get in touch and say, hey, I didn't know you were going to use that? Not quite, but I have had friends who like to guess who's who. Oh, that's fun. And that know the voice, and yeah, that's yeah, sometimes yeah. a little game yeah. uh, that people play. That's really cool. And, uh, but I've got to say that in those conversations, it is quite remarkable how many times people get it wrong. Yeah, right. So that they think it's, you know, it's so obvious that it's this person, mm. um, and in actual fact it's not. It's mm. like something I've written or that there's a, another friend of ours that speaks in a similar voice. And so that's a kind of cool thing as well, because it's like a collective delusion yeah. where you think, oh, it's this individual voice, yeah. but it's not. It's yeah. This is how um, potentially a group of people are sort of speaking to one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's that really funny... People are so funny just within those little text chains with like three or four people. Yeah. I feel like that's where some of the best comedy is. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah, like yeah. this very very one-to-one thing yeah so given that you want to do that intervention and cutting and Mm -hmm. mixing Mm. do you have any time for poetry that is just an actual replica of something that exists like no change at all (laughs) i do i do and uh i don't teach poetry i've never taught writing poetry Mm -hmm. um but i read a fair variety um you might not be surprised to know that i don't read many classics but i do read a lot of contemporary poets and obviously yeah. i'm part of the community so i'm sort of i try to um i'm terrible at going to things um but i'm good at reading things yeah and so i'm trying to kind of um, think about that uh no I, I don't have too many problems with uh with uh, either a straight verbatim poem or necessarily a kind of lyrical eye poem. It's just something that I decided not to do myself. Yeah. Um, and, but some of my favourite poets are people that use a very gentle kind of lyrical eye mm. and they are um, f- coming from a more s- sort of traditional um, freeform Mm. Uh, school and, yeah. and that's nice I don't mind that because even in those poems then things like metaphor and things like th- just the descriptions uh, can really work mm. um, they don't always but they can yeah. yeah who's on your mind at the moment in terms of poets that you're reading and enjoying I haven't read anything uh, recently recently I've been stuck uh, on the last book of the Norwegian Knausgaard um, kind of odyssey. Oh, and I, I don't know what that is. He's uh, oh, he, this six book kind of mammoth effort about his life um, called My Struggle. And, oh, uh, yes, I yeah. have heard of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've read the whole thing? Well, well, I, I, no, I haven't because I'm stuck <laughs> on the last thing. Um, oh, <laughs> That's rough. And uh, I've been stuck for ages yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I do that too. Um, I kind of grind to a halt and then I don't start anything new, whereas friends of mine are yeah. very cutthroat and they just go, no, I'm 50 pages in, I don't like it, next book. Yeah, I can't mm. do that, unfortunately. I, mm. I tend to have to finish books. It's very rare for me not to finish books. Yeah. Um, but I'm not that loyal i have been reading like tiny sci-fi things and like trashy ya or sometimes i like sneak in a ya novel in the middle because i just need a break like a little bit of like genre yeah um is is really good no i'm stuck with this book because it's the combination of uh of 
of a large sort of autobiographical project, which I've enjoyed seeing in lots of ways. It doesn't, it's not completely amazing, but it, it's been, has aspects which are incredible, mm. incredible. Mm. Uh, but the last book goes into this sort of um, essays on, on uh, Nazi Germany and Hitler and various artworks, mm. and it, the narrative really does grind to a halt in terms of a kind of novel and and you're sort of stuck with it and it's there for a point and you sort of see the point but whew, it goes on <laughs> it goes on and uh and i must admit uh, uh to being uh yeah very stuck and not really enjoying it i i don't think yeah. um uh, not that you need to enjoy everything but just not i think the point is overdone mm. Mm. um is really overdone yeah i know that feeling yeah. but it's the sunk cost thing too yeah. Like how many pages would you have read by now? That's exactly right. Well, you snuck yeah. it in at the end, right? So, you know, <laughs> once you're this far in, you're like, oh, God, I've got to finish it now. Yeah, I'm going to be the person that stops. Yeah. 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 Um, well, in lieu of a poet who you've been reading recently, is mm. there somebody that you come back to or even a particular poem that you come back to that you find really satisfying or useful or like a touchstone thing? Y- yes. I, I suppose that... Um, I suppose I read sometimes for inspiration and sometimes for comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's for inspiration, I'm thinking about uh, often friends and, and kind of contemporary folk out there. So I'm thinking about people like Bella Lee, Michael Farrell, um, Melbourne poets, but also international poets. Um, but when it's for comfort and reading out aloud at night, um, which I also occasionally do, I actually come back to real sort of traditionalists like Billy Collins, the American poet, you know, just very gentle, mm. but with a really high degree of skill as yeah, well. Yeah. It takes, it takes a, it's, it's a hard thing to pull off gentle in such a kind of elegant way. Yeah, it really um, is. And yeah. so I do actually come back to his work a, a little bit. And I think as much as I don't write like that and I'm not interested in writing like that, um, I really love the sense of space in the poems and the way that they... In his work, the way that the breaths, the different breaths of a poem work, mm. he never will be satisfied with one thing. There's always another thing that he'll add, and maybe a third thing. Mm. Often it's like there's three elements are kind of going, and he'll always take a last breath and then go on to the to something surprising at the end. I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it does take. A ridiculous amount of skill. I think it looks so simple when mm. it's on the page that it's easy to gloss over it. Yeah, the space is interesting because I guess in Redactor that that's something that's that's not really there, even within a short poem like uh, Hugo Weaving, mm. which is just a you know maybe six lines or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very compressed. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that does reflect the way these conversations happen. I'm thinking of a couple of like text chains that I'm in at the moment, one with two friends who are both overseas and we kind of use it as like a dumping ground for like, oh, my partner's driving me crazy <laughs> or like this person's having a crisis or yeah, yeah. my work is really pissing me off. And so the, these huge problems get kind of funneled into this mm. tiny screen, these long, long texts. And I don't know why we keep doing it really because it's not, it's not like a good way to deal with these problems. <laughs> but yeah, there's this, there's this compression aspect to it yeah um i don't know if any of it's poem worthy 
It's a lot of bitching. Well, you feel free to fold it, Alison. I'm sure I could use it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, oh, that's, that's, so boring. that's one nice thing that happens nowadays is that when someone finds an interesting list, yeah. sometimes, sometimes they send it to me. Oh, that's that's really, really nice. That's it's really a, cool. That's a lovely thing. Of like, yeah. Would you like to use this material? Yeah. Um, there's a nice one which is a very late inclusion into the book, into Redactor, which is a, a in a sense a sort of cafeteria list poem. It's oh, a yes. memo from a yeah. school. I love Most that of one. it was forwarded from a friend who was like, You gotta get onto the mailing list for this primary school. Totally. It's genius. The yeah. admin person is writing poems every week. <laughs> that's so and, great. Um, yeah, that's know, one of my that's, favorites. That's very nice. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, I wanted to ask you earlier when you were talking about visual art, hmm. have you ever heard of an Australian visual artist called David McDiarmid? He was active in the 90s, very big in like the um, in AIDS activism. Right. And he made these posters, yeah. um, which he called Rainbow Aphorisms. Uh-huh. And I'll uh, try to remember, this is my reminder to myself to send you one because I think yeah, you might yeah, really yeah. like them. And yeah, I think when I saw those, similar to what you were talking about, I had this kind of moment of, yeah, a poem can be a visual thing. Mm. It can be like six words long mm. um, and it can function. It can have the exact same impact as like Billy Collins mm. work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to remember to say that. Yeah, please send them. I'm not yeah. sure. It slightly rings a bell, but I don't yeah. think that I, I know him. So that would be lovely yeah. to see. He, they yeah. had an exhibition of him maybe in 2012 okay. um, here in Victoria, but he's very much like a, a 90s figure. I think he died in 1998 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of the artists that I really love are from the 90s, essentially. Yeah. So um, you know, the other thing that's a big influence... Um, are, are performance artists and live artists that use text and the way that mm. scripting changed with solo performance art um, yeah, in the right. 80s and 90s and pop songs and things mm. like Laurie Anderson, Karen Finley um, that, that were sort of half doing poems and half doing monologues and yeah. half doing you know these uh, odd sort of textual provocations as, mm. as much as anything else mm. and there's a real sort of slip there between performance and poetry and writing and, and, uh, and performance art as well. Yeah. yeah, right. I don't know anything about Laurie Anderson, but Adam mm. Ford, who I interviewed a couple of yeah, weeks right. ago, mentioned her as well. Yeah. yeah. Said he went on a bit of a pilgrimage to try and meet her. Yeah. Unsuccessfully. Um, you mentioned pop music, mm. to which my ears pricked up. Is mm. there anything in that realm that you're finding inspiring at the moment? Uh, no. <laughs> in short, <laughs> in short, no, but, but not not for any um, uh, for any kind of uh, taste or you know I I'm happy to listen to anything and, and mm. um, uh, but it's just that I don't I find myself not listening to anything at the moment. Yeah, um, okay. For the last few years, I have little kids, and uh, and I just one of the things that's dropped out of my life. Is the ability to <laughs> listen to anything. I yeah. don't spend. I ride my bike, so I don't spend time in a car where I yeah. listen to voices. Occasionally, when I do get to ride in a car um, or drive to the market or something, I I love listening to the radio and I and I love listening to music. But I, it's just not part of my daily routine anymore. Yeah, it sort yeah. of dropped out. It was a thing that I used to really love being alone with music mm. and moving through the city somewhere or moving yeah. through the country somewhere. So. Yeah. 
Um, it's actually a, was a big part, I suppose, of, of Redactor in the background, but uh, you know, not anymore. Uh, I'm I'm more like I just have to get to where I'm going very quickly. Yeah. And there's yeah. no time for listening. Yeah. But in my household, I must admit that my um, two-year-old or two-and-a-half-year-old son. Uh, he's a big Ramones fan, so we actually listen to oh, a lot of cool. kind of three chord punk, um, cool. which is lyrically not very diverse, but nonetheless is uh, is very enjoyable. Yeah. So we do a lot of dancing. I do more dancing now yeah. um, than I do listening, uh, and yeah. that's okay. It's bad dancing, really bad dancing. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to really show my son through my dancing that uh, we all fail constantly <laughs> totally. in life, and, uh, uh, and this is a really good lesson. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more when I, I um, babysit my nephew once a week mm-hmm. and he seems to really like Carly Rae Jepsen's album Emotion. Right. Yeah. And so I'll play that and dance around just mm-hmm. to see the look on his face because he loves to see adults just doing this weird thing, like yeah. all of a sudden Absolutely. just being crazy. Yeah. Yeah, just anything to get a reaction. I was part of an art workshop uh, last week in Brisbane on Thursday and we were asked to do the most embarrassing thing front of a crowd of people mm-hmm. um, that we could do something we were really not good at and yeah. um, and my choice was to sing and dance to a Taylor Swift uh, song from the early days that's great um, and uh, yeah I think people were very uh, were very shocked and, uh, <laughs> really not that impressed <laughs> so but I think I really proved the point uh, that uh, no I really was not good at this oh geez, what a, wow what an exercise hmm. um, well I guess lastly I'm really interested to know what the rest of your year is going to shape up like what's on the horizon Hmm. if you have that locked down yet well uh i work at the university where we make five-year plans and three-year plans of course yes like the rest of my life is locked down (laughs) um uh, but writing wise uh i think um i've been gathering material over the last couple of years um and so I've started uh, piecing some of that together, um, and that's that's always, as I say, the kind of most enjoyable aspect of, in a way, the writing process. Mm. As much as I like sitting down and kind of tapping away at a keyboard, um, playing with t- texts that already exist, uh, so much so much fun. And the early poems from this are a bit more. Um, they're a bit more kind of apocalyptic in some way. Um, I'm not sure they're not. They seem less intimate, mm. and they seem bureaucratic, uh, and somewhat, um, s- somewhat dangerous mm. in some way. But I'm, I, but I'm not sure how it's going or what it will become. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, it occurred to me that a lot of the exchanges I was having with people were about sort of world-ending disaster yeah. and climate change yeah, as yeah. people uh, and, and but I don't you know I'm, I'm not into writing about things didactically but I do believe occasionally that um, politics should be in the background to artwork mm. and so I'm trying to work out how much in the background this stuff needs to be or how much in front it needs to be in the poems and so that'll be what I'm thinking about for the next little bit yeah, right. um, is h- how to balance that Mm. Yeah, it is always there though, isn't it? Anytime you comment on the weather, yeah. some, which is probably the first thing you do so yeah. many times, or just like if someone's interstate, you'll be like, oh, what's it like up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of yeah. course. 
and the politics stuff i mean it's just sometimes people just read it in anyway so the, i never expected redacted to be read as a trump era work it wasn't written in yeah, the era yeah, right. it was finished probably two years before trump was in power mm. um and it was finished you know uh, actually i remember um starting it start kind of properly starting the project just as obama was elected mm. um and so in a way it was written during a time of some time of optimism mm. um and uh but then when it was published it just so happened to have coincided with uh, the the sort of Trump era Twitterdom um, yes. that was happening, and so it seemed yeah. really, in some ways, prescient, but though it wasn't intended like that. Yeah, right. um, but the, again, that sort of hysterical, insular sort of use of texts, mm. they're mm. a bit trashy. Um, yeah, I was on the money with Donald Trump. That's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, yeah. don't, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, yeah. that's so true. Well, thanks for giving me so much of your time. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure.